I really love the opening theme to this. It's catchy. It's a grower. Yeah, it really is it's nice. A grower, not a shower. It is. Welcome back to Making It So. This is our episode 15, and I'm your Captain Craig, and my co-captain here, Captain Matty. How you going, mate? It's a little weird us both being captains after the episode we just watched. Yeah, okay. Feels, I could see that. Feels a little weird. Like, we just had dinner. Yeah, we did. And then watched an episode. Oof. Feels a little weird now. I didn't give you a necklace or anything. So true, true. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. didn't give me a necklace. <laughs> At least it wasn't a pearl necklace, I guess. <laughs> the night's still young. <laughs> uh, rightio. So that, you know, we just watched season two, episode four of Strange New Worlds, Among the Lotus Eaters. I have no idea what that title means. Oh, neither do I. And oh. I guess we could probably look it up if we hadn't just watched the episode and just yeah. got straight into this. I wonder, but if, I wonder if maybe if you eat lotus flowers, it fucks with your memory. I Is that a thing? honestly don't know. So, mm. you know, good episode. I enjoyed it. Probably so far of what we've seen, but it's the weakest of the season. But before we get into that... <coughs> spoilers. So if you haven't seen the episode yet and you don't want to be spoiled, please pause this, go away, watch the episode, come back and then listen to it. Hey, but if you like spoilers, you know, feel free. Continue watching mm. or listening on. Spoiler alert, Ortega's finally gets an episode. Oh, wait, no, she doesn't. Well, at least she doesn't remember most of it anyway. Yeah, I wonder if they remember everything that happened. Yeah, I don't know. I think oh. they did. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah so. they kind of did. But let's uh, read the synopsis, shall we, Maddie? Mm. Right. It's a bit longer than the last couple of synopsises that we've heard. That's what she said. Returning to a planet that dredges up tragic memories, Captain Pike and his landing party find themselves forgetting everything, including their own identities, as he confronts a ghost from his past. Directed by Eduardo Sanchez, writers Eugene Roddenberry, Akiva Goldsman, and Alex Kurtzman. Right. So... Eduardo Sanchez. I don't think we've had him yet in this season. That's for sure. We don't seem to have had any. There's not not writer a lot of writers in either. No, it seems to be very much like that. Hmm. You know, maybe Kurtzman just getting into it hard with writing the episodes. Yeah, it seems weird. Like four episodes in to not have had, you know, like a what's her name, Kristen Beyer, and and all those other people that they get in for stuff. And we haven't had any of the really sort of big. Um, the big directors yet either. Oh, uh, like your Freaks and that kind Yeah, of we thing. haven't had any of that yet. Well, I guess would this have been... No, this would have been filmed after Picard Rap because Picard Season 2 and 3 were done back-to-back. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. As I was saying before, yeah, good episode, but probably the weakest of the season so far. But, you know, saying that it was the weakest of the season oh. is... Not too bad because, like, it's a pretty strong season overall so far. Bro, where have you been getting your writer credits from? Uh, straight off of IMDb. I think you're scrolling far enough. Well, it's only... Well, maybe, <laughs> do I have to open the writer's part more? Yeah, Kirsten Byer wrote this episode. Akiva Jean and Alex are just getting created by credits. Uh, and Jenny Lumet. Okay, so maybe for now on I need yeah. to click more. Yeah, Kirsten Byer written by Dave Perez. Or Davey. Grown man going by Davey. I respect that. Davey Perez. Davey Perez and staff and writer Byer. Onitra Johnson. And but Kirsten Byer, I, rec- I recognize. L- Lenny Lumet. Jenny. Oh, Jenny. Jenny, sorry. I would say Lumet. But she's, Lumet? she's got the created by credit. Okay. 
Well, all right. For now on, maybe I'll yeah. actually just click on the next arrow that gives me more people. Yeah. Maybe just oh. look, maybe look at the credits when they come up on the on the yeah, TV, on the actual episode. Yeah. Say, mate, I don't have time for that. I mean, you, you make us sit there and sit through the entire opening credits, and we could just. I skip like the that. opening credits. Oh, I could skip it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how did you feel about this episode overall, Maddie? Meh. No, oh, a bit it's fine. Yeah, I think. Given that, for me, season two was such a strong episode. Like, I feel like that was probably the strongest episode for me since the pilot. Um, It's hard to stack up to that. Even last week's was like, yeah, it was fine. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, Orville did it better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is new for me to say that uh, something did it better than Star Trek did. Normally I'm the other way around going, Star Trek did it first and better. Yeah. yeah, this was fine. It felt, and this isn't a knock. This is definitely a compliment. It felt very much like a TOS episode. Just in it did the way it was shot. The like it felt th- very theatrical. Like everything in the castle felt, you know, real staged. Like it was TOS, and then like all the external stuff. Like it was basically just a twenty twenty three version of back in the day when Kirk would be on like a cardboard set, yeah. you know, with a with a matte painting behind him. This was just all just like, it was a cage on some snow with a CG wall behind it, mm. you know? Yeah, a nice big green screen there. Yeah, so it felt very, very TOS like that. Um, yeah, and I def- definitely don't mean that as an insult, but it also isn't quite my kind of vibe. Um, yeah, it, it did feel like an older school way of showing a TV episode. Mm. Um, it wasn't sort of that same shooting style, but yeah, as you said, it was very much TOS yeah. shooting style. But I guess you did say beforehand, apparently it's um, got some connection to... The cage. The cage and what, what did they repurpose that into? The menagerie. Yes. Um, something to do with Kirk's past this episode, which I guess they referenced that he'd been on that planet before. So I guess it makes sense. Pike's that if, well, what did past. I say? You said Kirk's. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Pike. Um, yeah, so I guess it makes sense that if we're going to do a throwback and expand on some of his story in the like one episode of, of TOS he was in, it makes sense to shoot it this way and, and make it feel very much like a TOS episode. Yeah. So And I I liked it overall. I thought it was really good and it was it was well done. Um Yeah, I mean they they absolutely Uno reversed me, making me think it was gonna be an Ortegas episode. She like she, <laughs> she gets it like a um what do you call it, a log and she's like prepping for an away mission. She's putting on her little hat and she's in a cute little away mission outfit. And then, yeah, they just gave me a case of Ortega Blue Balls by not letting her go she, for She did get more shit. than what she has done previously, which yeah. is nice. As an, as an actress, I think she got to flex a lot in this, which was really, really good. But it didn't add a lot to me getting to know Ortega's as a character, which is what I want, given that she basically just said about 30 times in the episode, I'm Erica Ortega's, I fly the ship. And it's like, well, that's all we actually know about you. Yeah. <laughs> 14 episodes in. I suppose if we'd have paused um, the while she was holding the pad, we might have seen a bit more writing on there <laughs> and got more info. He probably just says, she flies the ship, she yeah. flies the ship, she flies the ship, because that's all we know about her so far. So, um, it's yeah, it was kind of a fun way to hang a lantern on it, to, I get, I think, to the audience and, like, gee us up and be like, and even she's excited. She's like, I finally get to go on an away mission because it seems like... Ortegas is aware of the fact that she never gets to go anywhere and do anything either. Um, And then she gets that pulled out from underneath her. And then the rest of the episode is them just trolling us by her saying, my name is Erica Ortegas, I fly the ship. And it feels like the writers are aware that she doesn't get to do a lot as well. So I'm hoping someone writes an actual episode for her. Hopefully this was a spacer because at this stage, all they know about her is, my name is Erica Ortegas, I fly the ship. 
So hopefully now they've been able to write a backstory in the same way that we very quickly leaning into like for the probably third episode out of four now in a row that Mbenga can fight like a mofo. Oh yeah. Like, you know, he was specifically chosen for this mission. So he's getting a lot of, a little bit of a retcon and, and introducing new elements to his character. But it's like, he had a whole arc in season one and now he's got this, well, Erica, he's getting a new arc. Erica yeah. hasn't even had one yet. <laughs> can a bitch get him in it? Like, come on. One thing I am really liking about this season is the CG, especially the space shots. Like that beginning mm. shot where we saw the Enterprise and the uh, USS Cayuga together, that was really cool. Cause, and yeah. you don't really often get to see two, was it Constitution classes together? Yeah, for a second was I was like, sick. well, that's a waste of resources. But they were like, oh, they're having a booty call. Gotcha. Yeah. No, um, that, that was very cool. Yeah, I think the CG on the planet, like, like I was saying before, the backdrops and that kind of stuff was a little bit meh. But then but you make it up with the, the space the shots. The space shots is where they're really putting their money into, which I appreciate. Absolutely. Yes, because I, I do not find the Enterprise an attractive ship by any stretch of the imagination. But in some of these shots, I'm like, damn, that's some good shit porn. Yeah, it, it's, I'm like, it's growing. It looks it? good. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah, no, it, all that Aztecing on the hull is standing out nicely. And it's going to probably be a bit jarring mm. to go back and see... Yeah, if they refit the Enterprise later and you see it as that really plain whitish looking Enterprise. Yeah, well, there was... I, it, I What I liked in the, in the very, very final shot of this episode, they do a pull-out and you kind of... Uh, pull-out. <laughs> ironic because it was a shot of um, <laughs> of Pike and uh, what's-her-face. Patel. Um, the windows have always weirded me out in his quarters. I'm like, what is that shape? That is such a weird shape. And we finally got to see where he is. He's right on the sort of the lip of that main dish. So mm-hmm. that's so now that angle makes sense. But it's also like, well, he's like in the, like the ten forward type of area. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like, well, of Kirk's Enterprise, we know there's maybe two little circle windows on that on that whole lip. So it's like at a certain point, do those windows all get closed over with armor, or what's yeah. happening? So yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the, like this Enterprise has gone through a lot of refits. Yeah. And I guess that's maybe that's just Starfleet figuring things out. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still much prettier than the JJ ships. Oh, definitely. Um, I actually, there was a couple of moments in this where, I think it was when uh, Uhura and Ortegas were walking off the bridge. I was like, damn, that's a pretty shot. That's a pretty bridge. Mm. Um, and we can see it. Yeah, unlike yeah, we the stuff it's in well lit. Picard. Um, even though it's got a you know black floor, it's still well lit. Um, the scale still seems a little bit off. Like I feel like Ortegas and Uhura are able to walk two by two into the turbo lift, and I'm like, that's a big ass turbo lift. Well, even the scale um, of the shuttlecraft as well. Like that yeah, looked massive that was inside. Huge. That was like runabout size girth. Mm. So, um, but yeah, that stuff's fun. Yeah, the um, the anachronisms I'm having issues with. And I, I feel like I have to mention them, you know, for all the hardcore TOS fans are out there. But there was a few things in here that I was like, oh, I don't know if that belongs. <laughs> Do you want to mention them now or as we go through? Uh, as we go through. Okay. We can head on through and, we'll, and we'll, I'll point them out. I'll point them out on the way. That, as you look to your left, you'll see an anachronism. So old uh, Captain Hairdo, I mean Captain Pike, again, with the cooking and the open fires in his quarters. Mm, just just wasting oxygen. I, like, I'm actually starting to wonder now if like the cooking is an Anson Mount thing or if it is just a Pike character thing. Like, Because it really seems to to be in there a lot. You know how some actors that lead shows really like to put a lot of themselves in yeah. it? Yeah. 
So I'm I'm wondering if that is it does it does in my brain it just takes me to Kirk in Generations and the Nexus because all we see of Kirk in Generations and the Nexus is cooking in the him kitchen. cooking eggs and then jumping on a horse and all we saw <laughs> in this episode was Pike cooking and you pointed out saddles he's got a bunch yeah. of saddles around the place yeah so he obviously loves horses because you know back in the pilot episode we saw him riding a horse and all that sort of stuff and then through his quarters there's a full saddle there and there's like a statue of a dude riding mm. a horse and. There's all this horse stuff around, so he's big on it. Yeah, and if you think about it, like, it's, what, how many hundred years before, like, Lower Decks? And his kitchen could fit, like, how many Lower Decks bunks? Oh, quite a few. Like, just his kitchen area in his quarters. Like, those quarters are massive. And the California class is probably about as big mm. as the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but yeah, yeah so he's, he's loving life. Battelle, she gives uh, Pike a little gift, and to begin with, you know, you might think that oh, doesn't mean a lot, but it actually means a lot for the episode going forward as well. It's sort of like that. It has meaning, which uh, triggers Pike to remember mm. later on, which is great. I a little weird nice. for me because it's like, well, you just got it, bro. Like you can't have that much sentimental value if you just got it. And it just happened to fit in with the dress that they were wearing that yeah, on the planet yeah. as well. Like it would have looked weird if it was like a massive blingy diamond or something. And also imagine if the like mission had gone more the way it was supposed to, but then like just in the middle of the fight, it got like cut off him or torn off him and left on the planet. And it's like, why would you wear something that you just got after you just broke up with your <laughs> girlfriend to in a really dangerous away mission and risk losing it? Yeah, definitely, definitely a mistake uh, breaking up with her, I think. But obviously, you know, later on they get yeah, back together. Fix that by the end. But yeah, yeah. So Battelle, she got a phone Well. Not, not a phone call. <laughs> she got a call, you know, from Starfleet Command. And basically, it seemed like she was expecting to get promoted to mm. what they say, fleet captain or Commodore. 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 Yeah. Yes. Because there is actually another rank in there. Yeah, there, there is like captain, fleet captain, Commodore. So maybe she was skipping them. Mm. Um, but is fleet captain maybe just a title and not an actual rank rank? Potentially. Because I feel like for the longest time too, like, Especially through like next gen DS9 Voyager, I feel like they all forgot about Commodore. Yeah. And they you just went, because like, you got to remember, Janeway was captain at the end of Voyager. Then by the time you see her in Nemesis, she's like vice admiral or something. Like she skipped like three ranks to get where she was or something. Yeah, I think it's like one of those um, ranks that you can just sort of skip. Like we have them mm, in the army as well. Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, ever since um, what Commodore O in, in Picard season one. Everyone's like, oh, let's make, we've got a whole other rank here. We can start calling people Commodores. Yeah. Now Geordie's a Commodore. So yeah, it, but basically, Battelle, she's, it feels like she's being punished because of, you know, the episode where Una was on trial and she didn't win the trial. Yeah, so she mentioned that, a, that other Vulcan council dude, he's mm. punishing her, which is wrong. It also feels weird though. Like she seems very young to be whinging about being overlooked for a promotion. Yeah, well, the, the actor, she's only 41. So. To be a captain of a starship at 41, I don't, like, That's, yeah, that's pretty standard. Yeah. Like, Janeway was, I think, 39 or 41. Like, the character, the actress was a couple of years younger. Yeah, of course. Um, Kate Mulgrew was playing a couple of years older than she was in real life. But, yeah, Janeway, the character, was, I think, either 39 or 41 when she took command of Voyager. Um, so, yeah, even if this chick's, you know, playing 45, 46, it's like, calm down, love. Yeah. Like this, you've you, got time. You know, you live into you know 106, so you've got time to you know work up those last few ranks. Yeah, correct. And you know, for the, it's interesting to see someone who doesn't want to stop at captain. 
Like we're used to seeing so many captains who are like, nah, this is where the action's at. I want to be a captain. And she's like, no, fuck this captain shit. Yeah, where Kirk in the Nexus says to Picard, don't let them take you off the bridge of that ship no matter what happens. And yeah, and Kirk, Spock, uh, Picard, right? They're all just like, they get up to those other ranks like, nah, nah, send me back down to captain. I had more fun down there. (laughs) So where she's just, I think she just wants a, a desk job. Uh, as a lawyer. But you always need those people in, you know, like the military and Starfleet and all that sort of stuff that do progress on as yeah. well. So I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you, there's, uh, what was that? That douchey character in um, Voyager, in uh, Good Shepherd, the guy like living down on deck 15, who's basically McKay from Atlantis. Ensign Mulcahy? No, Mulcahy works on the bridge, mate. <laughs> um, he was that guy It's like, well, he, the only reason he... Uh, like, what do you call it? Enlisted, like, to, or like, you know, volunteered to go on the voyage missions because to get to the thing that he wanted to get to, he had to have 12 or 18 months of ship service under his belt. Uh, so yeah. he just went, I just need to log some hours on a ship yep. and then I can go, and go and get the assignment that I actually want. And then he got stuck in the Delta Quadrant. So, yeah, yeah there's definitely characters around who are like, I want to do other stuff than just serve on a ship. I have other plans in mind, which is good because, yeah, that's not the, the be-all and end-all. Yeah, so it's, it, it's nice to flesh that out. And yeah, it's, it's the like same that. with us in the real world. Like, you have to do certain things to get to the next rank level. Mm. So you have to go, like, to training command and teach people how to do things before you come back. Mm. So, yeah, that, that's it's interesting that they they do that. Yeah, it makes it cool. seem more real world that there's people with different sort of aspirations. Anyway, Battelle and Pike, they kind of have a bit of a spat and break up, kind of. And then she she takes off really quick. Yeah, well, it's like... She storms out in a huff. Pike, Pike seems guilty. seems to feel like he's the one holding her back. Like, she got, quote-unquote, punished for helping out him and Uno in the trial. Mm. And he felt guilty for that. Which, that seems really petty by Starfleet, too. Yeah. Especially and from a Vulcan, too. Yeah, very much. So. He is a bald Vulcan, though. Mm. There's something different about him. He's a Romulan in disguise. Oh, yeah, probably. Anyway, so they get a phone. Oh, they get a call. I keep saying phone call. They get a call from uh, Starfleet to say that they need to go to Rigel 7. And. That name sounds familiar. Rigel 7 sounds familiar. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so they covered it off in the original series. Yeah, I just. But obviously, I don't watch TOS much, so I'm just. It just maybe there's another Rigel system that I'm thinking of, but it just I feel like I've heard Rigel Seven referenced in like the TNG Voyager era. Maybe you're thinking of Rigel from Farscape. No, the Dominar. Oh, he was. Oh shit, was he? He was, he was Rigel from, the Seventh. Yeah, <laughs> that's, he, maybe that's what it is. That, that is what yeah, it is. I think Dominar so. Rigel. No, he was the Fifteenth or something. Now I'm gonna have to look it up. <laughs> talk amongst just, yourself. Just keep I'm talking. Gonna, I'm gonna Google it. So Rigel Seven is a pre-warp civilization where. Pike had gone to a couple of years before and they, <clears throat> excuse me, ostensibly they were only there for four hours last time, right? And in that four hours, there was a bit of a fight and they lost, was it three crew members? And they thought all those three crew members were dead. So... Domino Rigel the 16th. Ah, uh, okay. But still. Still. Anyway, so Starfleet, they've sent uh, a ship there to scan the planet but they can't scan it because of all the radiation around in the atmosphere. So they basically use cameras. And when they use the cameras to see, they could see a large Starfleet Delta. Mm, in know. a garden. In a garden, yeah. It was like looked like it was made out of a big hedge or something, mm. didn't it? Which is weird because the rest of the planet was under ice. And it's, and it's purely for like people observing from orbit. Because it's like... if you It was massive. If, but also, 
orientated up. So it's like if you're if you're living in that castle, are you even going to see that? No. No, 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 mm. no definitely not. Convenient. Convenient Which, Kirsten Byer. Now we know who actually wrote this episode. Yes, and Davy Perez. Mm. Yeah, we're looking at you. Loving the name though. Yes, they're very distinct names, aren't they? But anyway, so it's decided they have to go back there and recover whatever Starfleet tech has been left behind because, mm. you know, that's contaminating a civilization, which, as we know, against, goes against the Prime Directive. Yeah. So they go there and then they fly down on that rather large shuttle, which we've already spoken about, well, mm. the shuttle with the large interior, which is cool. Yes. And here, if you look out your left window, you will see my first anachronism. Send it, Maddie. They talk about having subdermal universal translators. Yes. This feels way too advanced for this point in time. So, like, I can understand you saying that because normally the translators were built into, like, a a tricorder or something, like, along that line. Well, back in, like, Hoshisato, she had that. But it's, like, I don't know... I, but, I think in, like, yeah. Kirk era, they were built into their little communicator thing. The communicators. Because they just had embroidered deltas on their Correct. chest. But by the time you get to next generation era, they're built into the com badges. That's where the uni- universal translator is. And that's hundreds of years down the track. So why, like, now that we've established that they can inject subdermal universal translators, mm. why haven't we just... Stayed with that because, this, like, you can lose a com badge. Yeah, this is my point. You can't point. really lose a. And then in what is it? Undiscovered country, maybe when like Kirk's on trial. On trial, he's holding up this giant box up against his. He granted that could be Klingon technology, but yeah, it's it like, like it. Well, if you know, if these guys have it now, why wouldn't Kirk have had it injected into his? At which point, he wouldn't need that giant clunky universal translator hold, held up to his ear. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it was something it. that yes. they just injected in for this mission and this mission alone. But that really doesn't make sense and yeah, it, it should be should have been something going forward. And it to me, I think they should have had the translator just stashed like in a sewn in pocket or something in their jacket. Yeah. So it was, you know, couldn't fall out basically. Yeah, they're obviously trying to like, you know, tie up any loose ends for this episode, but you know, it also it's and it's you know it's an out of world thing too because it's like they're never going to pass as locals because their lips aren't going to match what's coming out of their mouth. You know what I mean? Like I'm speaking English right now, and if the universal translator is translating to you who speak a different language, how? Like, what are you hearing? You yeah, know what I mean? If only, if only one person has a universal translator, I should be able to understand. Like, if you're speaking a different language to me and I have a universal translator, I should be able to understand you because the thing is feeding it back to me. But how are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm not suddenly, subconsciously, my lips aren't suddenly making the shapes and the sounds of Mandarin. I'm still just speaking English. I think the one time in all of Star Trek that we've seen so far, like that I think we've seen the universal translator work the way it would probably work in the real world was in the latest JJ film where the translator was translating in real time and you could still hear the alien talk. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I think yes, that's yes. how it would actually work because yeah. unless you do... I mean, because we can't have that technology now. We do. It's yeah. like you can, your phone can your do phone, it. yeah. Yeah, like if you started you know, speaking Chinese, for instance, I could set my Google phone up to... Mm. 
start translating automatically. And that's ostensibly what a tra- universal translator would sound like, unless yeah. you had one injected into like your brain or something. Yeah. But at which point, yeah, how, how are the aliens understanding what's going on? Correct. Especially this, you know, this guy that we meet, Luke. That, that fantastic alien name, Luke. Yes. Well, and going back though, so Zach, we find out that not all of the Starfleet members that were you know, on this planet actually got killed. Mm. So, and one of them, a, I guess he was a crewman. Zach. Uh, Yeoman. Yeoman? Yeah. He, Which is another rank that got left behind. Yeah. He didn't get killed in action and he come back too and... Now he's crazy in the king. They made him king. Basically, yeah. It's good to be king, I guess. Mm, a crazy king at that. Yeah. Like, but very, very, very weird on this planet how... The people outside of the castle, they lose their memory every day. Mm. That would be super annoying. But if you don't know any better, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's like it's like being the other people in Groundhog Day. Yeah. So and that they would write like so you, you don't lose all of your memory, your deep memories as they put it. Mm. Like you can still walk, you can still talk. He could still read because he did tattoos on his arm, but then later mm. on when Spock had the pad on the bridge. He couldn't read his information. So yeah, I thought that was a little bit of a writing gaffe. Yeah, well, I, I think they tried to buy it back by the Luke guy saying he had pictures on his arm. But pictures are just, just writing a, a anyway. different kind of writing. You still have to be able to interpret whatever the shape is you're looking at, whether you call it a picture or a letter. Yeah. So, yeah, it was weird that um, Spock couldn't read anything about him. And given that it was his idea too, he was like, he spent the whole episode just like handing out pads to people going, here's, here's the story of your life. And then he couldn't even read his. But then Ortegas, she started talking to the ship's computer and the ship's computer told her who she was. You fly the ship. Your name is Erica Ortegas. <laughs> Here is my next anachronism. When she freaks out and jumps on the turbo lift Correct. and starts talking to the, the computer. Now, I'm not a TOS Stan, I don't know everything, all the ins and outs of it. My only knowledge that I'm going off is the 30th anniversary episode of DS9, Trials and Tribulations, where the entire DS9 crew go back into the Kirk era mm-hmm. and they're on the Enterprise. And there's a whole gag where O'Brien and Bashir walk into the turbo lift and say, Deck five, nothing happens. And then O'Brien's like, I said, Deck five, getting angry, nothing happens. And then, like, a hot uh, nurse chick walks in grabs the handle on the thing, says deck five and turns it. And then O'Brien and Bashir like, oh, and they grab the handles and pretend like they were doing it. And they're like, I won't tell anyone if you don't. So to me, it's established that you have to grab that handle, turn it and say where you want to go. And that that's your activation. Erica didn't do that. Those damn temporal shenanigans. Mm. They're really messing things up. And I have to say, like, I don't know if in the last 13 episodes we've been in a turbo lift and seen anyone do that so I, d- I don't know I'd have to go back I'm not but I'd have to go back and see if anyone else is actually doing that I'd have to go back and we referenced it last week that short trek where Una and Spock were in the oh, turbo yeah. lift I'd have to rewatch. I think actually yeah. she did touch but that but I, I feel like there haven't been a lot of scenes in the turbo lift so maybe it's never it's not been, been established a yet yeah. until, until now well so, hey people listening yeah 
you may know more about this than what we do. Yeah, yeah. If you, you know? know your TOS really, really well, maybe there's a, a thing behind that. But like I said, I'm just going off trials and tribulations. Like when Ma- like- when Maddie and I do these episodes as well, we basically we sit down and watch the episode, and then we come straight into doing this podcast. So we don't even have time to sit down and do a little bit of research. <laughs> I'm really. not googling shit. No way. Are we just Google in the middle of while we're recording. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Google Farscape in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing when she gets off the turbo lift is the computer directs her to her quarters by like little flashing lights on the corridor. It's like the lights in a plane when you have to go to the emergency yeah. exit. <laughs> Which is cool. But I feel like, again, that's too advanced for where they're at because I distinctly remember an episode of The Next Generation very early on, might even be Encounter at Farpoint or something like that, where... Can't get much earlier than that. Yeah, someone's <laughs> talking about, you know, this oh, this new wonderful Enterprise D or whatever, and someone's like, oi, check this out, and goes over to, like, an Elkar's panel on the wall and says, take me to such and such, and the black panels all, like, the whole corridor... I do remember that, yeah. ...light up, and guides up, and someone's like, oh, that's not that impressive. I think you're right. I think that there is Encounter at Firepoint. Could be that. Could be maybe when we meet Luxana. I don't, I don't know. No, I think it was uh, where Riker was on the ship. Uh, at the start of Encounter at Farpoint. I think that's when it was. Yeah, and I feel like it was made out to be like this big technological advancement that the ship can now direct you where you need to go and stuff like that. So when I did it with Erica, I was like, hmm. I think after last week, like we can put some of this down to temporal shenanigans. And I'm going to stick with that in my head canon. Yeah, obviously it's... And it's the same thing, I think, with... Because it's technology we have now. Mm. Like if I go somewhere... Yeah, potentially, like, even just using my phone, if I went to, say, the local shopping mall or shopping centre, yeah, I can go on my phone and I can go, I need to go to this shop and Google Maps will show yeah. me the way there. There's a cool thing in Canada now, apparently, at Canadian Tires, or something, which is like a grocery store or something like that. Anyway. Canadian Tires and yeah. it's a grocery store. I don't know, it's weird. Any Canadians listening um, to this, please tell me. But I just saw it was a TikTok and it's like once you're in the store, if you go to the website and say, hey, I want this particular product, wherever the product is on the shelf, the little price tag will start flashing. It'll like the thing will tell you, I'll go to aisle five. That's cool. And then you go to aisle five and for like 30 seconds, the thing you're looking for will be flashing and you can find it exactly what it is on the shelf. Yeah, right. Like that's that's living in the future. Yeah, that's But yeah, something I have to always remind myself and remind Trekkies too, it's like, when everyone's like, oh, well, you know, we're, we've surpassed TOS now, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, yeah, but we're not living in the Star Trek universe. It's a different universe to ours. They had the, you know, um, World War Three and the Augment War and all these other things. So I was like, our timeline is not the same as... Because I always compare it to, like, the, the Renaissance. Because, like, the Renaissance came after the Dark Ages where we lost a lot of our knowledge. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, well, when you see like Zephram Cochran and stuff after World War Three, I feel like we lost a lot of knowledge there. So it made sense that us now in 2023, in a lot of ways have surpassed and changed from Kirk era. And I, I feel at the so, same time, like our current technology, we have to sort of implement futurized versions of that in the Trek we are seeing now, even though it is behind some of the newer Trek that we've seen. Mm, if that yeah, makes sense. so I think it's it's the problem I have. I have the same problem with Enterprise. Living in the real world is the problem. <laughs> well, that and also anytime you do a prequel. You know, I had the problem with Enterprise. You know, it wasn't great. Even with the Star Wars movies. Dis- yeah, Discovery had the same problem when it was way too advanced for where it was supposed to be. Like it had the Tony Stark, you know, holographic, you know, displays in front of you. 
Um, so I feel like, yeah, any TV show that's going to have the cojones to do a prequel, you're going to draw this kind of comparison and this kind of minutia that, you know, Trekkie fans are known for to compare these things where it's like, if you just said it after Voyager, you're free and clear. You, yeah, exactly. You, you, create you can what, do whatever. You can create whatever technology you want. You can fucking have your stupid programmable matter that Discovery has, you know, well, even even with like Enterprise, they've sort of like with when they showed the Enterprise J, they kind of they've set themselves up there for the future mm. with like the Enterprise J is at a certain time. You yeah. could get past that by saying, "Well, that's a future that didn't happen, or yeah. isn't going to happen." But yeah, yeah. Every any time you, know, you mess with time travel in TV, especially in these sci-fi things, you really do limit yourself and you paint yourself into a corner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like Disco- Discovery is probably the worst for it. It painted itself into a corner yeah. super quick. But yeah, like everyone's done it. Like, you know, obviously um, DS9 had the Bell Riots, which are kind of, if we were living in that universe, would be taking place kind of now. I'm pretty sure it was around the early 2020s was when the Bell Riots were. Uh, Voyage always had like, you know, the relativity and the Aeon and Captain Braxton and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, every series has done it, but you just move past it quickly. So or no was one it notices. Um, Renee Picard? She was flying off to Europa, mm. like now as well, wouldn't she? Oh, yeah. And then uh, uh, Voyager had that one small step, the the Mars and the, and the Eclipse and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So that's why I never sort of compare what I see in Trek and go, well, in the real world, it, like now we have... It's, like, well, it's a different it's a t- different timeline, different universe. Yeah, it it's made- doesn't matter. All I compare it to is what's already been established in that universe. Yeah. And yeah, changes can happen. And I think Strange New Worlds is one of those ones where you can, I think we're going to have to wait until the show is finished to see how they wrap it all up. You know, whether they try and say it's going to lead straight into Kirk, or so whether it is going to be an alternate, you know, time-fucked era, I, yeah. but it's fine because... I don't know. So it's just like, well, we'll just wait and see. In the meantime, just enjoy the ride. To me, the way Strange New Worlds needs to finish is Pike gets all fucked up and then Kirk takes over. That's how it needs to finish. Well, Una's got to disappear at some point. Uh, La'an's got to disappear at some point. Uhura's got to start growing her hair out and start not wearing pants. Yeah, go to the miniskirt. I saw an episode of uh, TOS the other day. And it's so ridiculous. Like, Uhura's skirt is so short. Literally, when she sits down, it's bare cheeks on the seat. Oh, really? It is bare. Like, it lifts. She's wearing a shirt. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm actually going through and watching uh, TOS again now as well. Purely for the listeners so we know more. I know more about. I'm glad you're taking that bullet because I I wouldn't be able to do that. Oh, God, no. The last time I watched. It was more jarring because the special effects weren't as mm. good, but it's been updated for streaming services, and yeah. it actually, I actually don't mind it. Like, there's some good stuff in there. Actually, that does remind me. That is a, a good point that we could already be in an alternate sort of timeline from TOS anyway, because I remember a cu- a couple of episodes in TOS them being like, I remember was it Kirk or maybe even Pike being like. Yeah, I think it was from the original pilot because Pike has a line where he's like... The cage. Oh, I don't know how I'd feel about a woman being on the bridge. And then Una turns around and goes, huh? And he's like, well, not you. You're different. And it's like, well... Meanwhile, you've got Captain Battelle. And then I think infamously in the very, very last episode of 
TOS, Kirk's like, women can't be captains. Oh. We just not. So, yeah, we could already, with, you know, Patel and that kind of stuff, it's like, well, we could already be in an alternate timeline anyway. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a alternate timeline. Like, like they said with the temporal people in the last episode, like certain events always insert themselves no matter what, like yeah. you know, Khan and all that sort of stuff. It, it's still the same timeline. It's all... Like but it's it goes it's, around it's, itself and it's alternate. It's, if there's female captains, it's, yeah. it's alternate. It's, it's always on the same path. You can still say it's the Kelvin timeline, or whatever, but it's still alternate in that if there's female captains rolling around. Mm. So well, the prime timeline, not the Kelvin timeline. Oh, is. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't talk about the we Kelvin don't timeline talk about too Bruno. much. Anyway, so the forgetting, you know, the people outside of the you know the castle or whatever they were calling it, they forget every night. Mm. And in their tents that they have, they have a totem, which is like a carved-in story telling them, like, basically who they are and their whole story about their life and things. Seems convenient. Yeah, well, like, I can guarantee that if I woke up in somewhere like that and I saw that, I'd be like, that's cool. I would not be spending the time reading it, especially considering I don't know what the fuck I am. And then does each person carve their own or is the castle providing them and... Like, if if they're going to give him that much information and then they're going to carve shit into their arms, just let them have their memories, guys. Yeah, well... It's weird. It was, but as we found out later in the episode, the people outside of the castle, they forget because of the asteroid that crashed into the planet thousands of years ago. Yes. But the castle is basically lined with something and their helmets, I think they said as well. Yeah, the castle and the helmets are lined with some kind of ore that blocks the radiation. Yeah, which was... The, hel- the helmets was a stretch. The castle, I would believe, the helmets was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and then obviously at the end there, uh, Spock figures out a way to modulate the shields yeah. so the Enterprise can be close. Because, you know, last time they were on at the planet, they were only there for four hours. So that wasn't long enough for mm. things to start affecting them. Yeah. Which, you know, was a good way of explaining why they weren't affected last time because it was such a, yeah, a like sort of a thing. Straight away, because what did they say? Like, Laan lost like six hours straight away. Like, stepping yeah. off the shuttle, she lost six hours. Yeah, got that tinnitus and then yeah. it was like, oh, hang on. Who am I? Where which again, I? I'm like, not to be nitpicky, but hey, it's me. I'm nitpicky. Um, High-pitched sh- Maddie, the nitpicker. Yeah. How fucking boring would she would have been if, if it's just the three of them walking for six hours? Did she not say a single word? And and more importantly, did Pike and Mbenga not even say anything to her in those six hours to like <laughs> just have some cordial chat? They would just head down, but yeah, just, just powering through. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm. Anyway, after they get captured, mm. they get thrown in a cage for the night. That's the reference to the <laughs> correct. Yeah, <laughs> but. Pike, after being sleeping in that cage all night with the snow coming down and everything, mm. wakes up in the morning. Hair is still perfect. perfect hair. Him and Janeway, perfect hair oh, at all times. Captain Hair. Like, look at him. Just perfect. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he does it and what sort of... I do. ...spiffy hair gel they have in the future. Well, I mean, he says, like, several times he says, look, these are not the hands of a man that breaks rocks for a living. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly all the hair gel and mousse that he puts in there. Just acts as a moisturizer, protects his hands, protects his hair. Just slicks it in. Yeah. But as the episode did go on, though, there was that little like fleck at the front that started to come down. Yeah, a after bit he more. beat Zach to <laughs> living shit. Oh yeah, well we'll talk about that soon. That was good. Mm. Then he gets one stray hair. 
But yeah. Meanwhile, Zach's like going to be missing like four molars. <laughs> yeah. With that fight though, after they get out of the cage and then they go to the quarry and yeah, they try to fight the guards and Laan gets a good slash with like a sword Ooh, across the stomach. Graphic. That you was saw, You saw the blood spurt. Yeah. Rough. Like I've seen some pretty rough stomach injuries before from gunshot mm. wounds and things. They're not pretty. And what did they decide the best course of action was? We're going to make her walk all the way to this dude's tent. Let yeah. her lie down and be like, you know what? Let's just walk all the way back to the castle in the snow. You'll be fine. With all your intestines and stuff like that are there. Yeah, you're, you're, part, cool. you're part augment. You'll be fine, love. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. That, I still don't think that's really established too much, whether she is part augment or, mm. or not. Like, I kind of go with it. Yeah. It's diluted augment. Yeah. You'll be fine. You'll be At least fine. she doesn't glow. True. Although that would be cool. We would have mm. given them light on the way. Yeah, well, Una, not um, not immune to this radiation. She was affected by it too. Yeah, like everyone seemed to be. I, th- I think that's good because I think the way they've set up Una, it's like she could then just be like the data or the, the EMH where or, or Odo where they're just not affected by anything. Like the rest of the crew could be like, oh my God, there's no oxygen, we're choking. And they're like, we're fine. So I do like the fact that she's not completely invincible and invulnerable. Like, she, you know, she gets affected by shit too. If anyone was going to be inf- uh, affected by it the most and the quickest, I thought it would have been Spock because of like his like abilities you with like his brain. Ear racist. Whoa, <laughs> this has nothing to do with his ears. <laughs> yeah, he did seem to hold off longer than than most. Yeah. Um. But yeah, then he's become like everybody else. Yeah. He yeah he lasted longer than Una did. Is he the apart from him and Una? Are they the only non-humans on the ship? Oh, I guess Pelia. Oh, Pelia wasn't in this episode. Oh no, but she was. She would be on the ship still, I guess. Yeah, yeah she'd have to be rolling around. The old lanthanite. Um, yeah. But she, I mean, yeah. she she passes for human. Yeah. So does Una. Um. Yeah, you don't see just like a random like Bolian or Andorian, or, Andorian or, or anyone Tellarite or walking around, do you? Racists. Maybe there's like ships that are like there's a Starfleet ship, another. Constitution class out there. It's just full of Andorians, maybe. Well, yeah, that's... Oh, I'm not comfortable with race segregation like that. Yeah, well. But they have that in DS9. Remember, there's the Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. There's that whole Nebula class ship filled with uh, Vulcans. Mm. Racist. Yeah, well, maybe it saves on universal translator power or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Shore leave is really easy because they all go back to the same home planet. Like, outside of humans in Star Trek, my second favourite race is Andorians. I, I just, really? like, I guess from Enterprise, like Shran and his people, I just really loved it. Like, they were he, just so aggressive. They're so different. And I, I really want to see more Andorians. I think it's a tie for me between, because I'm a basic DS9 bitch, it's got to be Bajorans or Trill. I really love... Yeah, but there's not, there's not so much difference in them with a the look with the humans. No, but I find, like, the trill nose is kind of hot. Not the trill nose. The Bajoran nose is kind of hot. I was going to say, trill the nose. trill spots are hot. Trill spots are hot. And the Bajoran nose is pretty hot too. Um, and I, li- I like my I like my spicy women. Like I like my Rose and I like my Kiras. Like, Do you like the early version of the, uh, oh, the Bajorans with, like, with the, the forehead thing? Bit? No. No, no just, just, just the, rid- the, the, the nose ridges. Don't need that weird angry V on their forehead. Yeah, it kind of fit Rose um, quite well though. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, those are real. I, I think, because I like my spicy women, I like Bajorans, but obviously they're way too religious for me. Like, oof. Oh, yeah, no, don't do Jesus. Religion. Like, even when Odo was dead in Kira, I was like, bro, how can you, how can you be so chill about all that? Um, 
So yeah, then trills obviously I think are, are one of the most fascinating species they've ever they've Absolutely. ever done. Absolutely. But yeah, they're both still both very human looking. So Andorians are cool. Yeah, I, I like it's a Andorians. Lot of, a lot of blue skins though. Like, you know, when you look at the Andorians and Bolians. You racist. Yep. I'm a, I'm a racist pink skin. <laughs> um Yeah, I'd like to see some more um real real world um Orions. So get some green skin in there, guys. Oh yeah. Oh, I'd like to see like a half Orion, half uh, half Andorian. Wouldn't they just be brown? Now that's racist. <laughs> uh, like it'd be interesting, like green skin with the antenna. Oh, some kind of weird chartreuse. No, chartreuse is purple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, w- with that uh, that pheromone that some of the Orion women put out and stuff. It'd be mm. a very weird uh, mixture. I don't know. Make it happen. That's the Pornhub category for I've heard one. Okay. Alex Kurtzman, make it happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, back on the ship. Spock's handing out uh, pads mm. to make sure everyone knows who they are. Like, But he was only doing it for the main like the main cast, basically, because everyone <laughs> else was just wandering around aimlessly through that hallway yeah. on deck six. I was walking around with watermelons or something? Oh, so... That's a joke for like gym people. So how they puff themselves up and walk around with their arms. It's like you're carrying watermelons. Old matey was walking down the hallway with a towel on his shoulder in like his gym pants and stuff. God, I hope he wasn't wasn't wearing like a disco shirt or a Retos shirt. It would have been a prize or something. (laughs) (laughs) Or big E. Enter. And then on the back it says prize. (laughs) (laughs) That's his tramp stamp. (laughs) Uh, Enter for a prize. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how Ortegas was like, I fly the ship. My name is Erica Ortegas. I fly the ship. If there's any alcoholics listing, every time Erica says her name and I fly the ship, drink. <laughs> you will, you, oh, we'd be fucked up. You won't last till the end of the episode. Maybe that guy we ran into at the shops earlier was playing that game. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Yeah, back to the planet. All right. Apparently, yeah, as I said, there are were, were the two types of Kalar, the ones that remember and those that don't remember. The palace lets people still remember um, and they have to get Lan to the palace so they can remember themselves. But, yeah, not smart from a real-world perspective moving someone with a big stomach injury, but mm. I see why they did it because Mbenga, as soon as he remembered he needed to be around so he could treat her. And he did say that. I think it would make sense if the forgetting people's encampment was like at the base of the castle. Or why didn't they put her on a stretcher and carry her maybe instead of making her walk? Yeah, it felt a little bit... Yeah. I think it's the problem where they're they're shooting on, you know, just a giant green screen. It was like, we're here by this rock and now we're in this guy's tent. And now we're back by the rock again after But we're filming it from dump. a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they, they took her and, yeah. But apparently the forgetting can't take away love. They said that in the episode. So yeah. that, that feeling that Pike was having with mm. the necklace and everything, he, he started to sort of remember Battelle. So. Right. But if that necklace was a tattoo and he coloured over it, then he'd forget the love. So I feel like that was a bullshit line. Yeah, a bit of a bullshit line. Yeah. Potentially. Bro was like, Luke guy was just living his entire life of the, the opposite of 
if you don't learn from your history, you're doomed to repeat it, whatever that saying is. Yeah, because I wrote down here, Luke filled in the tattoo to stop his loss every day. Because mm. yeah, he would see his tattoo every day and go, oh, my son or whatever it was, I've lost yeah. him. And then you'd get that feeling every day. So just why he coloured it in. Where does loss come from? Love. So bro's fucking lying. Is that poor writing, do you reckon? I don't know. Or just the forgetting people, just not understanding. Well, like I said it during the episode, like Luke is either just, uh, for a while I thought he actually might've been like in on it and he was like a bad guy. Oh, interesting. Um, Cause he just, he was either super sketchy or like the most altruistic dude ever. Um, and then yeah, it turns out he's kind of the most altruistic dude ever, but he's also preaching bullshit. Cause he's just, he's basically preaching the Bible cause he's contradicting himself at every turn. And Bible bashes. Yeah, it's it's like when someone who has no medical knowledge whatsoever gets a job on like ER and then just like makes shit up and thinks that's how doctors save lives. Mm. Yeah. Well, one thing I have spoken about before is Ortegas's haircut and how it's very aggressive on the sides. Mm. This time we saw her from the back as well. Yeah. And it comes to a perfect point on yeah, the back. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's aggressive all around. Mm. Like, I, I really want to know more about her choice to have a haircut like right? that. Right, because I know the actress naturally has quite a short haircut. Yeah, short but hair, then, cool. But then, yeah, they've obviously added that. And I think I saw a picture of her on IMDb and it's actually like naturally grey. Oh, really? Well, it may not be naturally grey, but at least her picture on IMDb is like a very like silver fox grey kind of look. So, yeah, I don't know whether they dye it for the show and then oh, it is too, yes. do that severe cut down the side. Um, yeah, so it's like... Let's find out why. Let's let's explore her character. Her natural well, I shouldn't say her natural hair, but her mm. her hair as a person, like an actress. As a human person in it's the very, world. It looks more like Pike's hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why they did it, because she, she looks like Pike. And they're like, well, we can't have two of them on the bridge. So let's do something weird for her. And she's obviously game, which I think is great. Like her and um Ethan are obviously sitting spending a lot of time in the in the hair chair getting their, their cuts done and then just living within the real world like Tim Russ used to have to do with his um with his Tuvark semicircle on the front I of his face. I think he could have covered that up with a cap though quite easily. Tim? Yeah. Yeah, well I mean, you know, <laughs> what's um what's the actress's real name? Erica's real name? Uh Melissa Navia? Navia. Yeah, I mean she could be rocking a um one of those hipster um Coldplay beanies that are just sitting on the back of the head. It looks like she's got like a eyebrow piercing as well potentially Sick. yeah Ash. yeah justice for ortega let's finally get some fucking ortega we episodes. definitely need some more ortega or ortegas yeah i want to know about it i just want to know why she's wearing red just side note yeah well yeah typically i mean i don't know much about tos era who was who was the pilot sulu was the pilot he wore gold so why is erica the pilot wearing red in this era oh, com- think- command officers wear gold I mean, she looks badass in the red, so it might just be simply that. that it's she, like you look better in red, woman. Was it, isn't that isn't that the the thing that happened with Next Generation? Is the whole reason they changed, they swapped red and gold, is because Patrick Stewart looked crappy in gold and looked better in red. Really, I yeah, didn't know that. Apparently, I think so. With the TOS era, like it was, it chopped and changed quite a bit with the colors. Like you'll notice that. Early on, Kirk was wearing like a green tunic as well. Mm. I had like, a weird delta like it wrapped around his belly. I think to hide his girdle. But <laughs> yeah, it, it it changed quite a bit, and it took a while to sort of steady out. I guess is a way of putting it, and like the uniform standard becoming a standard. I guess I always just thought that green thing was um, the same way Picard used to wear that leather and velvet number. Every now and then, the captain just gets to wear whatever the fuck they want. Oh yeah, like uh, 
when Avery Brooks is wearing like the vest as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it has the com badge in the grey instead yeah. of the black. And obviously Beverly got to wear her little green jacket whenever the fuck she wanted. And um, uh, Deanna, uh, Deanna, Balana got to wear her engineering jacket to cover her pregnancy. Exactly. So, but yeah, I want to know why Erica's not wearing Command Gold. Tell us why. Mm, give yeah. us an Erica episode. It'd be good if like. Eventually, when there's like DVDs and stuff like that, if they do like <gasps> I saw, director's commentaries, I saw a Strange New World DVD in JB Hi-Fi the other day. Really? It might have been a Blu-ray. That's okay. I don't have a Blu-ray player, so that's why I didn't buy it. Oh, but okay. I did see they're Str- like thirty dollars. I did see Strange New World um, season one. Ah, oh, great. Yeah, bit of news. Mm. Just injected in the middle of the episode. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna look it up now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I want to see some uh, director's commentary. Oh and things yeah, like that'd be that. so good. Yeah, like th- th- this show. It, I think it really does deserve a director's commentary. Like, mm. it, it is good. They're all on TikTok. Like, I've seen some TikToks this week of um, Una and Pike doing these cool little, like, doing the Vulcan hand thing in one outfit and then putting into the camera and then coming back and they're, like, in their red carpet outfit. Yeah, right. That's cool. Yeah, that's fun. Anyway, so I've spoken about, yeah, Ortega's haircut. All right, Spock, yeah, he couldn't read for whatever reason where Luke could still read his arms. Mm. Um. And Banger, he cops a phaser blast to the leg. Yeah. And it gra- it just grazes him apparently, but it looked like a pretty full-on blast to me. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about... Again, It's maybe this is... Oh, this is a bonus anachronism for me. Ooh. Is... I mean, the phaser rifles weren't too bad because we've seen those in like Enterprise and stuff like that um, where they fire the bolts rather than a beam. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I brought up in, I think, at the end of Picard. And also it's like... In this era, typically they don't fire phaser beams, they fire phaser bolts. Correct. But then there's that amazing shot that we have to talk about where um, Ortega saves the day and uses the phasers and the ship does a barrel roll and stuff like that. But it's firing beams, not bolts. So so I need some someone to address that. For me, I like how the ships fire beams. And I know some I ships... I prefer beams. Yeah, yeah, I prefer... But on the phaser rifles, I prefer bolts. But like... Hand phases, I prefer beams. Mm. I Voyager was lucky enough. I think Voyager was maybe the only show where they got the best of both worlds. Huh? And they had the two. They had, they had, they had the, two the different compression types of, phaser yes. rifles, which were the prongy ones. And they got the... Um, I never liked those prongy ones, the yeah, compression phaser rifles. And I feel rifles. like they're okay shooting a beam because they have that weird little prong. Even though they're called compression phaser rifles yes. because they should be shooting the bolts. Or balls. Um, and then they got the first contact phaser rifles, which I think are the best phaser rifle I've ever made. Those next generation DS9 ones that just look like a large phaser with two um, handles. Mm. Shithouse. Um, those, I think, yeah, should fire like bolts and stuff like that. But it could even be, you know, a setting. Like, you know, there was that infamous episode where in, in Voyager where it's like it was just changed to like a wide beam setting and someone just took out the entire bridge, like the whole in, bridge one, yeah. in one shot. And I'm like, and they've never used it again because it's too OP. <laughs> and we never saw it yeah. again. Anyway, Pike. Badass beats the shit out of Zach. Mm. Butt strokes him with that phaser rifle. Careful now. Yeah. Wait, it's called a butt stroke. He should... Uh, okay. We we do it with our rifles at I, work. I bet you if, do. If you are doing hand to hand combat with a rifle, yep. and you hit them with the butt of the rifle, it's called a butt stroke. I've heard that about army guys. Yeah, we, that's more navy, mate. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you're you're the one butt stroking. <laughs> Actually, I, I do remember people used to make fun of me because I hate the term pistol whip. When you when you pistol whip someone, 
I would call it you butt fuck them because you fuck them up with the butt of your gun. (laughs) 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 And (laughs) the amount of times I'd be like, oh, he totally butt fucked that guy. And people would look at me weird and I'd go, oh. Uh, You mean pistol whipped, Matty? Yeah, no, butt fuck. Yeah, okay. If you can butt stroke, I can butt fuck. And we're going uh, off the rails. Look, I'm on IMDb. I'm, IMDb, I'm on JB Hi-Fi right now, and it doesn't look like there's any special features on the DVD. Well, that's a bit silly, isn't it? So I'm going to try the try the Blu-ray. Now. Try the Blu-ray because they usually I'll like never to put more on Blu-ray. But anyway, so not only is he butt stroking him with the rifle, he butt stroker. He beats the piss out of him with his fists as well. Like he fists him too. You but say. he doesn't even knock him out. Like, he hits him real hard a few mm. times and doesn't knock him out. So, I thought that, that was... It was good. It was a good fight. Like, he beat the crap out of him, but he probably should have knocked him out. What do you got there? Um, it doesn't look like there's any um, special features. This, they're not listing it on the on the listing. Yeah, okay. You may have to go into the store and actually physically look at the back of the, of the um, case. But I was just looking at the reviews and the first review for Strange New World Season 1 Blu-ray... Five stars, hot Spock. (laughs) 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 Anyway, so... I love the internet. Yeah, so Mbenga, he heals Laan. All right. The swipe under the eye that they both, Laan and Mbenga do with their finger. Mm. Like, you said you think you've seen that before. (sighs) It does look familiar, but... Either last season, but I think he did it with Nurse Chapel, or the first episode of this season where Laan is off on that the half Klingon, half human planet thing, and they have to go and get her, and he goes down. They, they either do it there or they did it last season, but I've definitely seen him do this little under eye thing. Yeah, it's interesting. At least once before, but I don't think there's been a, a reason behind it yet. Maybe it's a cultural thing or something. I don't know. Maybe. It's interesting. I want to know um, more. It kind of reminds me of... Um, Would you like to know more? <laughs> reminds me of uh, Sunkatsi when like all the fighters come out and have their little signature move and the Hirogen does the little <clears throat> over his forehead oh, yeah. to imitate painting the... Um, the blood and the, stuff. The blood and the paint. Yeah. Anyway, as I said, yep. Pike's hair starts to go out of place now, which is... Red alert. Do we need to red alert the button? I mean... I've got it there. <laughs> Didn't even know that. <laughs> um, if, if his hair's out of place, you know it's serious. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, it was a it was a big fight. It just moved out a few strands yeah. of hair. Old, old crazy Zach guy's like bleeding from every orifice <laughs> on his face, <laughs> um, and he's just had the shit beaten out of him. And Pike's got one loose hair, like one loose curl. Yeah. That's how you know shit got real. And I guess that future um, hair gel can't hold everything. Yeah, no, can't hold his rage. It, it, he definitely raged. Yeah, and can't hold his butt fucking and he's sorry, butt stroking. All right, possibly one of the coolest shots of the entire episode, and it was obviously all CG, was as Ortegas is trying to fly the ship out of the debris field mm. up there around the planet. You go debris. Okay, interesting. Oh, how would I you go, go debris? Oh, okay. I guess it's like um vaginal versus vaginal birth. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. <laughs> You're going to eat it anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so she fires two phaser phaser beams that come out in like a V-shape and then 
rotates the ship 360 degrees flying yeah. at it and it cuts a hole in a massive asteroid, which I Very, thought was cool like, as. Incredibly cool shot, but again, a potential anachronism that I'm like, oh, could they do shit like that then? It's Ortegas. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm happy for that. It, it was so cool that I'm like, you know what, I don't particularly care. But I feel like it's it's maneuverability and like dexterity of like phases that I like the fact again, that she was doing it all from her one station. Yeah, and not <laughs> even knowing anything except for I'm Ortegas and I fly the ship. Like all just you know, just instinct. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Like Yeah, it was very, very cool. It was a cool shot, I'll allow it. Yeah. You know. I want to see more of that. But one thing that we did see, which I thought was cool, because up until Picard, we'd never seen someone use a tractor beam to throw a fucking asteroid. Mm. And we saw it again in this episode. Yeah, they're just like, yoink. They just, you know, they pulled that oh, asteroid. Sorry, what is it? Uh, yeet? Yeah, they yeeted it. They, yeah. So they pulled that asteroid up from the planet and yeeted it off into space, which I thought was cool. Which feel well, feels a little irresponsible because now, because of the way space works, that's just going to keep going at that exact speed until it hits something. Well, hopefully it would burn up in the atmosphere, but it was still pretty big, But no, wasn't they it? just... Well, it didn't burn up into the atmosphere of the planet that it well, landed on. Yeah, but think of how big it would have been as it was burning up going in last mm, time. It would have been bigger. It's either going to hit something in that debris field uh, and ricochet something else off, or it's just going to keep going until it, I don't know, hits another planet or a moon or a ship or a... I, th- I think it's got a long time until it's going to hit another planet, potentially. It just feels a little bit irresponsible, guys. Like, if you're going to do it, just just break it up and just place it. Just maybe, maybe as they fly out of the system later, they're just going to phaser it into smaller pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so Erica can fly through the middle of it. Yeah, and just be showy. Love it. Yeah, I, I thought that was a cool shot. Yeah, it was really yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so uh, Pike, him and Battelle have a bit of a heart-to-heart and they get back together. Use the air quotes. Heart to heart. Heart to heart. Mm. So, but they also did say that, you know, their crews come first. Yeah. And it's a strength, not a weakness. But she she brought him home. And I guess that, that, that was a reference to the necklace thing that she'd given mm. him as well. And it allowed him to really know who he was. And, you know, there was a lot more said that wasn't said, if you yeah. get what it's, I mean there. It's classic Star Trek where, like, they introduce something at the beginning of an episode that the character's never seen or used or done something with ever before and suddenly becomes, like, a core part of their character for that one episode and then you never see it again. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, yeah, it would have been nice if maybe... I mean, obviously, there's no, there wasn't this much forethought, but it's like, imagine if, like, in episode one... Um, when they're just fuck buddies, basically, and he's not, he like, he's still on extended leave. She gives him that as a thing to, um, get him back into Starfleet, yeah. accept the mission. And then in this episode, you could still have everything happen of her getting the call, being bummed about not getting the promotion, him breaking up with her, and then him taking that little medallion on the away mission with him as his way of, you know, dealing with the emotions he's feeling but having broken up with someone who he's still in love with. They, they could have also just left it, you know, with them not seeing each other again. And that could have been the end of her character. Mm. But I like the fact that they brought her back because that gives another depth to Pike as well. Yeah, well, we said when we were watching it, it's we've never seen two captains in a relationship together. No, not like this. So it's like you see captains with civilians and things like that, but we've never seen two captains together. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you see, you know, uh, Belana and Tom, same rank, 
Uh, Jadzia and Worf, same rank. Riker and Deanna, for the most part, same rank. Same rank. Um, you know, but they're all not the captain. You only see the captain because the captain can't get with any of his crew. Yeah, you can't crew. really be with your subordinates. Um, you know, they did the whole annoying will they won't they thing with Chakotay and Janeway, and it's like, well, no, they won't. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a nice touch to see a captain in the end because of their positions. It's making it for all intents and purposes a long distance relationship. I understand so, why uh, Chakotay didn't get with Janeway, though. She'd already had a relationship with Paris and <laughs> created their little, you know, salamander things. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so th- they, they could ma- they could have made it so Battelle doesn't come back. But, yeah, mm. I've, they've obviously got some good future plans yeah, I think for that relationship. She's, she's an interesting character. But saying that, like, we know how Pike is going to end as well. Yeah. So, or well, not end per se but yeah his life will drastically change i would also maybe even like to see an episode um on her shit was it the kai kayuga i would like to see her crew maybe she's got the endorians and the bolians and what kind of stuff on her ship but also i think she's maybe got the b team because there was that weird thing at the start where they're trying to just get half an hour alone to have dinner and maybe rub one out um i mean you can't have sex you can't have dinner and sex in, in half an hour so you know, Mate, they just do things faster it, in the future. You gotta let it digest. You know, <laughs> you, they're having pasta. You don't want to be having sex on a pasta belly. So, just a quick little. It's like swimming. You reckon you've got to like leave it at hour. Yeah, or you gotta leave it. So they were <laughs> they were absolutely absolutely they were just gonna do hand stuff. Um, but it's like maybe just over the top of the clothes action. Maybe. maybe. Oh um, no! After the pasta, you've got to unzip, you got to loosen the pants. <laughs> so that would just been an opening straight there, literally and figuratively. Um, the, the name of her ship It almost sounds like A street fighter thing Like Cayuga Oh yeah it does too Doesn't it <laughs> Well she also seems to have A very incompetent crew Because while they were getting All those comms Back and forward Back and forward Uhura has to come in And say um, Oh Captain Patel We're getting a, uh, a message from your ship I don't know whether They specifically said The first officer or not We need you to confirm A course correction It's, yeah, it's just, just like, following The Enterprise yeah. Like, what first officer is too afraid while it's basically shadowing another ship for half an hour? Maybe she rules with an iron fist. We don't maybe, know. Maybe. Yeah. She wears the pants over there and they will do what she says I mean, when I'm, she says. She's having a very loose haircut for being someone who would be that iron fisty. I feel Mate, like her hair changes constantly. I feel like to be an iron fist captain, you've got to have a haircut like Laan. You know, you've got to have those Just tight pulled back those tight, tight braids. Go, I'm angry and I've got trash and alopecia. <laughs> um Yeah, so no, I want to I want to see a day in the life on her ship. Yeah. See what it's like over there. Well, maybe maybe one of the officers, maybe maybe Ortegas has to jump over and just like fill in for a day. Maybe how, maybe they how, can like, do that. Um, Riker had to go and spend a, a week on a Klingon ship and stuff. Yeah, that, or, that was a cool episode. Or um, Data's Day, where we just follow Data for the day. Yeah. I mean, it does, like, says, says what it does on the title. <laughs> um, a bit like map painting. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let, let's let's have Ortegas have to, like, fill in a shift over on the... Cayuga. Coyote. Peyote. It's the Peyote. Captain Battelle of the Peyote. That's it. Done. Yeah, let's see what's going on over there and maybe get us some funky-looking aliens. Yeah, maybe she's got all the aliens. Oh, although I feel like I feel like maybe we're being really spoiled now because it's like, as bad as Discovery is, it had a lot of weird, funky aliens on the bridge. It did. It and had saurians and all those and weird shellfish people and stuff like that. 
But yeah, let's let's give us some Endorians, give us some Tellarites, give us some classics. I have a feeling though that it probably the budget of Discovery was probably more as well than what Strange New Worlds is, which is why they oh, could afford yeah, to have absolutely. a lot more of those aliens. Yeah. So now that that's finishing, maybe mm. we'll get some more on Strange well, New Worlds. Let's hope so. Yeah, let's let's get some classic aliens back. Yeah, definitely. I what's, I want to see more aliens on the crew. What's the time frame? You I think you would end up being a wet puddle on the couch if they suddenly just went Oh, look, here's 106-year-old Shran. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Bring him back. Jeffrey Coombs. It's not Star Trek without Jeffrey well, Coombs. Well, yeah, we, we need a Jeffrey Coombs character. Yeah. So we may as well. Bring him back. Like, how long has it been since, what, what are we, 2250 mm-hmm. at the moment? And what was 2180 or something? That's like, like 60 years. Yeah, Shran would still be still kicking, be kicking around. around. He'd be like Admiral Shran by now or something. General Shran. It would probably be. Well, would he be in Starfleet now? Well, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Get, bring us an Admiral Shran, played by Jeffrey Coombs. Well, because if they did another season of Enterprise, they were planning on bringing Shran into yeah. the crew. Yeah. Which would have been cool. Like, just, he would have butted heads so much with Captain yeah, like, Archer. What, it would have been great. What position would he have been in? I don't know, tactical officer or something? Yeah, fuck Reed. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. But- but yeah, like give us give us an Admiral Shran, and you know, like I'm not an Enterprise fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I would absolutely fuck with the Jeffrey Coombs Admiral Shran rocking up, even just for one episode. Give even if it's just a cameo on the frigging view screen, giving them orders, or even an Admiral Topol. Oh fuck yeah, we could do that. Oh sh- no, Jolene Bla- Blaylock, she's still around. She's not a big fan of Star Trek anymore though. After no. that, after you know, whereas I feel like Jeffrey Coombs and he'd, he'd Jeffrey it. Coombs would do it. He does everything. Well, didn't he come back? Didn't he come back for Lower Decks? Didn't he voice something in Lower Decks? Um, I know, I know, Martok did. Yeah, but I don't know whether Jeffrey Coombs did. Oh, probably. Like, and if he hasn't, there's still yeah, time. He was the evil, evil AI box. Oh yes. Yeah, he came back for that. Bring back Shran. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Let's yeah. put Admiral Shran and Lieutenant Ortegas on a shuttle together and just see what happens. Because I think yeah, we spoke about it last week. Like they could, like they're that they're close enough that maybe. They could bring back a super old archer, maybe. Yeah, fuck archer bit. though. I want Shran. Yeah, yeah Shran, Shran. Yeah, because he's an alien. So yeah. Yeah, you can say he, if I get Endorians, live four hundred years. You yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah, well, we've got a Lanthanite who apparently can live for like yeah. two thousand years, if not more. Maybe maybe they're trying to separate Spock from Topol because uh, Spock's already connected to like Michael Burnham and stuff like that, and they're just going to be like, well, not everyone on Vulcan knows each other. Yeah, like now that we've got Lanthanites that live on Earth, mm. all right. We could almost retcon anybody to make them a Lanthanite. True. As well. True. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe Harry Kim's a Lanthanite, and that's why he was happily in Ensign this whole time. Because he's like, I've got 4,000 years. <laughs> it's fine. I'm actually surprised that you made the joke there about that, <laughs> because you normally are the staunch defender of Harry Kim. Yeah. Well, he could show... Oh, no, he couldn't show up in this because it's the past, and he'd be older now. Well, we could figure out a way. We could make him an Elorian because they can apparently change their we could, features to we make could, them we older make, or younger. We could make him his own grandpa or something. Yes. They did that in, they've been doing that in Marvel. So, um, the. Well, it's like Sung. Like. Yeah, true. Um, but just to divert because this episode's boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the principal of Spider Man's school. Is like an Asian guy, right? Yes. He's played by the same actor who was one of the Howling Commandos in the first Captain America. Yes. And he's his grandson. He's playing his own yes, grandson. He is. And they've done it again with Secret Invasion. 
I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah, because I'm still like an episode behind. No, that's fine. The the English lady. Um, oh, I can't remember the actress's name now. It's going to bug me. But you know the English lady that's in it? She is the great... Amelia Clark? No. The, She's the, the English lady? Shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Olivia Coleman. Oh, yes. Okay. Olivia Coleman. She is either the daughter or the granddaughter of one of the other Howling Commandos. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna catch that's up. That's nothing. On that. They do, don't mention that in the episode. That's nothing. To do with oh, that's, that's just that's not a spoiler for anybody. That's just a little one of those little bonus things that they throw in. Maddie's uh, bonuses. Yeah. Brought to you by making it so. Yeah. Anyway, I liked that episode. It was, as I said, the weakest episode of the season so far. But mm-hmm. hey, we're only four episodes in out of the ten. Yeah. Still a good episode overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think if episode two didn't exist, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that was a cool episode. That was fun. But because episode two exists, I'm like, well, that's a high bar you've set. And I'm I'm still of the opinion that obviously the first season of Strange New Worlds is the strongest first season of a Star Trek series we've seen. And mm. so far, we're it's looking like season two may be a very strong season overall yeah, as like well. It's, it's not shit. Yeah, it's like got it's, good it's, writing. It's, I'm enjoying it. Good direction, good yeah. stories. I'm just, I just, you know, I'll be saying it every episode. And if anyone gets sick of it, I apologize in advance. But until we get an Ortega's episode, I'm going to be asking for it every week. So IMDb only has this rating as a 7.7 though. Okay. So this, so the Broken Circle was a 7.7. Yeah. Ad Astra, as, Ad Astra per Aspera was mm-hmm. 8.6. I actually thought that would have been higher. But you know, eight point six is still not bad. Yeah. There is there is a weird group of people that are really anti Strange New Worlds, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is mm. at eight point three, and Ooh. among the Lotus Eaters, it's only got four hundred and four votes so far. Well, vote. it's only been out like yeah, like two days or something. Yeah, so. but it's only at a seven point seven. Okay. So anyway, that takes us to the end of the episode. Mm. Yeah, overall liked it. Next week's episode is called Charades. So I'm not sure what that's or all about. Charades, if it's Laan speaking, hmm, potentially, mm. potentially. Let's hope it's not another Laan episode though. It could be Ortegas in her off hours playing charades with people. Who knows? Playing charades with Sharan. <laughs> that was a stretch. That was a stretch. Uh, anyway, anyway, Maddie, anyway. where can we find you on socials, my friend? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at High Pitch Maddie. H I G H P I T C H M A T T Y. And you can find myself on Instagram and Facebook and maybe... Because you're old. At, at Geek and Camo. And has anyone else noticed this new thing on Instagram called Threads? Don't do it. Is anyone using it yet? Apparently, it's Instagram's version of Twitter and now there's a Twitter yeah, and an Instagram apparently, fight. Apparently, you can't deactivate it. Once you activate it, the only way to get rid of it is to delete your Instagram. Oh, there's a deactivate uh, button in there. I've seen it. Yeah, but it's, it still lives in the background. Oh, everything. It, we live in the Matrix anyway, mate. Mm. Anyway, until next week for charades, that is making it so for this week. So? So what? Girls, guys, and Janais. We'll see you next week. Bye. Get into Geek.